0: what up what up I want to welcome you all back to the socks and sandals podcast where society culture history and religion collide and we unapologetically discuss our world views it's your guy emmanuel i'm back but i'm not in the kitchen i'm not in the kitchen i'm whipping it up in my bedroom if that's possible uh actually that's a loaded statement but anyway i'm in the bedroom um uh, my bedroom because my son is downstairs his spring break started on a thursday at 1 very strange but you know they got parent teacher conferences starting um on friday and they were just like you know what let's let the kids out early on thursday why not in the middle of the day so um yeah we home we chilling uh he's playing 2k and i'm up here getting some work done you know what i mean so what i'm uh what i'm here for today why am i here today why am i putting out this random small episode late in the week well it's something that i've been meaning to do i've been thinking about doing for a while a lot of a lot of y'all out there a lot of listeners have um encouraged me to do this so i'm gonna go ahead and do this recap man i'm gonna do a recap of the past two episodes episodes 104 and 105. Um, you know, the, the Nikki and James nineteen seventy-one conversation. So without further ado, let's get to it. But maybe just fact I was used to shows, stocks. Alright, y'all. So the first thing I want to tackle is from episode one oh four, so part one of the series um oba and i got into a discussion about white supremacy and you know is white supremacy effective because um the white man knows us better than we know ourselves or is it effective just because of ignorance um and i was i was stating that and it's a few people brought this up to me and so You know, when you're in conversation and you're going back and forth and you have so many ideas running through your mind, obviously you don't always say everything the way that you intend to say it or even intend to explain it. So let me kind of break down or just just really give you all my theory on white supremacy and why it works and yeah, and just why why it continues to happen. Um, just a brief synopsis Um, I believe that white supremacy, racism and white supremacy is the same thing I believe that, and I said this in an episode that white supremacy is um, a a systematic domination of all areas of people activity uh, in the same vein as uh, Nick uh, what is his name Neely Fuller Jr. and Francis Cress Welsing I ascribe to that kind of train of thought so um, he dominates the white supremacy and also we gotta understand Like when I'm saying white supremacist I'm not talking about all white people There's, the, the white supremacist is like a white supremacist Like all white people are not white supremacists That I believe that all white people have the ability to be a white supremacist simply because they benefit from that system and they can utilize that system at any time based upon their skin color but not all white people are white supremacists so I don't want anyone to conflate those two things you know when when i'm talking about that on on the podcast um so yes i was i was saying that uh oh yeah so so the so white supremacy is um it's the domination of all areas of activity so economics education entertainment labor law politics religion sex and war So in all those areas of activity, the white supremacist basically controls the narrative and the agenda. Um, So that's pretty much covers everything that goes on in this world. Um, And when I was saying white supremacy is mental, I mean, that's that's where it starts. It's not a white supremacy is is an idea that they brought to fruition by creating these structures, creating laws, creating whatever everything that they've created you know everything that's that's going on in this world they've created it as far as like they've written things down put laws in place um allowed themselves to run wild and and do whatever they want when it comes especially like america um you know they can do all types of terroristic activities you know they're extremist groups but if any other extremist group that has color in your skin starts to get busy It's getting shut down right away but you don't ever see the KKK getting shut down or outlawed or you know n- none of that you don't see them getting there's no pro for the KKK you know so in um, other white supremacist groups that continue to terrorize people all throughout the country and all over the world to be honest Um so with all that being said um, no one on this planet wants to live in the system of white supremacy, except the white supremacists, right? Um, no one is actively wanting to refine the system of white supremacy and continue to be subject to it. So over the years, over the centuries, people have been trying to figure out how to dismantle the system of white supremacy. It has not been done. No one has figured it out. So when I say that the white supremacist is smarter than us, I'm just saying they set up a system that we can't beat. They were smart enough to put a society together that fully benefits them at all times all over the planet, not just in America and every continent. The white supremacist has an influence and they can start or stop something at the drop of a dime if they choose to do so. Um, So every, every continent, every country has, has to deal with white supremacy and whether directly or indirectly. So because no one has figured out how to break that, that stronghold of white supremacy, no one has been able to figure out how to conquer it. The white supremacists right now, they, those people are collectively smarter are the smartest group of people in the world because white supremacy isn't based upon sheer numbers because you know white people are outnumbered when it comes to non-white people I mean they they are the minority you know but they're you know they're they're smart enough to use language to their advantage so they call themselves they call us minorities like in America they call anyone that is non-white A minority but when you talk about globally around the world they are outnumbered easily it's not it's not even close Um, but that so that small group of people have influence on every continent and they have a system that is unbeatable right now okay Uh, even white people that don't like white supremacy don't know how to defeat it so the white supremacists it's not that they're better I'm just saying they are smarter they have deceived they have been able to protect their way of life for an extended period of time and they continue to do it and they're they're refining their ways of mistreating people and um, making money and marginalizing all, all those things that they do so in every area of activity. So I just want to give y'all that breakdown. I'm not saying like white people are smarter than black people or black people are too, but like, I definitely don't believe that, you know what I mean? Like, and also we were, we were getting into a semantic discussion. We were talking about intelligence and being smart. And I'm trying to think what I was thinking at that time when I was saying like, they, they aren't, they aren't more intelligent because in, intelligence to me the way i see intelligence is um like having knowledge and know how to apply it in a creative way so like like being an an inventor or um just you know create like creating things that, that that don't exist you know like you know, black people in America, we've created genres of music. Like we continue to create. Like that creative intelligence, like no one no one on this planet is more creatively intelligent, especially when it comes to music, than those of the African diaspora. Like it's it's not even close, right? Um now, so that's that's what I say is that's intelligence. Um just just having knowledge and knowing how to use it being smart to me the way i see being smart and this is like i'm just giving you like once again giving you what's going on in my head so being smart is is like how do i put this being smart is just like being able to deceive honestly being able to do something figure things out quicker and being able to control like whatever you're trying to do You find a way to get it done. So, you know, you know how they say work smart and not and work smarter, not harder. Right. So it's just just finding ways to get stuff done, finding shortcuts, just finding ways to be efficient, um, finding a better way to read, a better way to fold your clothes, a more efficient way to clean the house, um, just creating little shortcuts on, on your computer to get to certain like that's smart doesn't mean you're more intelligent you just found you just found something like you found a way to do something really efficiently so so you and somebody else is doing the same thing i might i might not like like our kids are smart like they know how to operate phones (laughs) very at a very early age now my four-year-old is not more intelligent than my grand my grandparents well rest in peace my my parents let's say my parents You know what I mean? When my my parents get a phone, it takes them a while to figure out how to use every feature on the phone. When my four-year-old gets on the phone, she knows how to do everything, how to play games, download games, open the internet, go to YouTube, kids YouTube, regular YouTube. Like She knows how to do stuff. So that, to me, that is smart, right? Just knowing how to quickly figure things out and just make things happen for your benefit. Now, my parents are way more intelligent than a four year old just because they've lived life and they know a lot of things. But when it comes to working the phone, the kid is smarter. You see what I'm saying? So that's what I want you all to get when you're when you're listening to that conversation. Um, And I'm and I'm saying the white supremacist is smarter than everybody else because they found a way a just an easy way to just dominate people and mistreat people and and keep power to themselves. And, and keep it away from other people. Anyone that has color in melanin in their skin, they're they're not gonna have power. They're not gonna be able to to rise and be that one percent. But that but that one one percent is just gonna be preserved, you know, decade after decade, century after century, as, as long as the white supremacist has an influence on it, they're gonna preserve that and keep all the goodies, all that, all, everything. Try to keep everything to themselves, right? All the resources, everything. So, boom that's that i didn't mean to spend that much time on that point but i just wanted to i want y'all to hear my heart and i want y'all to hear my whole thought process as i'm saying that the way that i'm interpreting you know what's going on in the language that i'm using. just transparency transparently all praise to the chief all right so the second thing i want to touch on from episode 104 part one of the conversation um Actually, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to play the clip, play two minutes of it. Uh, It was when we got into reparations. It got real, got real good. I like that part of the conversation. But I'm going to go ahead and play the clip as opposed to try to fumble through describing the back and forth. I'm going to just play the two minute clip and I'll hop back in and and, uh, go over that. I say a check is the lot. That doesn't teach economic power. That doesn't build wealth. I don't care. Uh That's, That's not that's not the issue. We're not we're not saying, hey, America build wealth for black for descendants of slaves. But for but in this conversation between you and I, you are disconnected from this conversation, to be honest, like it's not about you. It doesn't affect you. So it's easy for you to say that. Because you're on the outside looking in because you're not a descendant of a slave. So you can say, well, as far as I can see, you know, these black people in America, they're not going to get it right anyway. So why give them the money anyway? They're just going to fuck it up. You say these and them as if I'm not one of the people that are in this country that are dealing with white supremacy in America. No, I'm saying reparations doesn't affect you. But America has affected my mentality on my ideas of reparation. I get it. And so I'm saying America has affected your mentality. So your mentality is... This is going to ruin them. They don't even need that. They can't handle that. They need education before they need money. That's how you think of because America has framed that thought process about black people for you. How, and, was, and it, how, I, was, how was America? How was that different from you? From me? How was my framing? How How does America frame black people different from me than you? Well, in this in this equation, yes, mm-hmm. where we're getting what is due mm-hmm. like MLK said we coming for that check and they killed that nigga shortly after mm-hmm. that I'm coming for that check too I'm gonna get what's due to me I'm I'm not going to turn away what is due to me you know how many people have gotten reparations from the US government mm-hmm. how many groups of people Japanese, the Japanese that, that's the most wild to me the, the Jews really like people that were in a part of the Holocaust Right. you mean to tell me the Jews shouldn't get the money That they're due? You mean to tell me the Japanese shouldn't get the money that they're they're due? It's gonna ruin them? Has it ruined the Japanese? Has it ruined the Jews? So, why all of a sudden, because black people get it, oh, it's gonna ruin us? All right, first things first. I said the N word, and I've been trying to stop saying that. Like, I'm trying to eradicate that from my vocabulary. It's tough. I apologize, y'all. I am not trying to continue to bring that word into 2020 uh <laughs> so forgive me for that charter to my head not to my heart and i use the n-word and mlk in the same sense. like that is just so uncalled for so i'm i'm like i'm all about unapologetic expression but i am also trying to elevate myself at this point in my life and then and that's just something that i did not want to say that's not something that i want to represent or just use that word lightly um, or just just throw it out facetiously or whatever the case might be like it's not cool so and especially in reference to mlk you know but i was just caught up in the moment but y'all y'all know what i'm saying man like i i didn't mean to call him that but you know they killed my guy you know they killed our guy so um so that's that all right so moving forward man the reparations talk i don't even I don't even know how we got onto that because, man, it, the, the conversation was just flowing organically and it happened. It went there, and I must admit, I'm glad that it did. Uh, it's so interesting having that conversation. Um,. And, and you know no one is right no one is wrong we're just giving our suggestions because we're all trying to figure this thing out right especially i mean when it comes to reparations so but it's so interesting you know having this conversation with someone else just the whole you know the racial dynamic in in america in america we see all black people were or i should say people of african descent whether you know a black american um uh, American descendant of, of a slave or uh, someone that is from Africa, first, second, third generation. Um, so we all see each other the same and we kinda think that we we think similarly as as weird as that may sound like, but this is this is this conversation isn't unique to any other, you know, group of ADOS American descent of a slave versus uh a, a immigrant African immigrant we don't necessarily see eye to eye and I thought it was I thought it was really strange that Oba was asking if I was if I had any hesitancy about you know black people potentially getting the reparate like to me I was just like yo what do, what do you mean <laughs> am I nervous like no, bro. Like what do you mean is going to ruin us if we get a check? Like any money can ruin anybody, no matter what color you are, but at the end of the day, if I'm owed some money, give me my money. Just just give me my money. Like let's let's stop playing these games, you know what I mean? But I do get his sentiment. I mean, there are there's so many different ways that reparations can be paid out man i mean not not having to pay taxes i mean there's obviously some huge advantages to that long term you know i mean as much money as i'm paying as we all pay taxes year after year i mean that adds up quick so i mean this yo that's that's a lot of money and so you know if you're if you're saving literally 15 $20,000 $20,000 a year that would have gone to the government just a sunk cost and that's coming straight to you man yeah. that would be dope but I just I don't I don't see the United States doing that but that's that's neither here nor there Um, just that just that back and forth that that difference of position or just the yeah the the disposition that he had the disposition that i had and it wasn't it, w- it just wasn't even close you know and it was just like different types of reservations and man that was that was amazing to me it was it was amazing it was really good though um so Oba, oh, man I, I appreciate you bro like as always you know but i'm just I, i'm gonna say it on on the recording man like i appreciate you for uh for bringing that up and just freely expressing and also just giving that just giving that other side of the coin like man what if it's not a check you know what if it's it's taxes you know but man reparations is something that it, it seems like it's impossible it seems like it'll never happen i don't know what it's gonna take i don't know what we have to do but something has to be done Everyone else, like I was I was saying in the episode, man, I, I went over just a list of groups of people that had got paid out, whether it was from America or other countries. Like people get paid, man. <laughs> Settlements get paid out, reparations get paid out to injured parties. And we are one of the most injured parties in this world. So one thing I wanted to add, you know, to this part of the conversation is uh right now with my guy Deshaun Um, we are reading the post-traumatic slave syndrome book by um, Dr. Joy DeGruy and so in there she tells a very man a very telling fact that is not discussed I've never heard this before so in 2001 there was a United Nations conference in Durban South Africa And it was a world conference against racism, racial discrimination, xenophobia and related intolerance. And so. At the conference, the United Nations declared that American chattel slavery was a crime against humanity. The United States delegation walked clean up out of that conference. They didn't stay to continue to see, you know, how they were going to rectify that i.e. reparations so the world has has already declared it a crime against humanity this is back in 2001 it's 2019 you know what i'm saying like it's it's it goes without saying the payment is overdue Um, in that clip that i played of martin luther king talking about we're coming for that check because you know land and so many things were denied of african americans but it was being given out to all types of immigrants and all types of people, um, all types of white people and all non white people were just getting discriminated against. So reparations is due. It's been declared a crime against humanity, American chattel slavery. So it's not about, oh, should they get it or is it even still is it worth it? Like is it is it something that should even be talked about? Oh, it's it needs to be talked about and it needs to be settled. So that's how I feel about that. Let me know how y'all feel. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram about that. Now, the last thing that I want to comment on from episode 104 was Oba asked a few questions um, pertaining to, you know, can I even prove that I'm a descendant of a slave? Uh, can I go back that far? And also how has how slavery even affected me? How does it even affect me to this day? You know, if I'm born in the 80s and slavery ended in 18, 1865. So what I did was shortly after we recorded that or shortly after I put out the episode and processed all the information, um, I went to my folks house. So I talked had a long talk with my dad Um, and, you know, I was telling him, you know, when we went to North Carolina, I I vaguely remember, I vaguely remember, you know, some of those stories about. Our our ancestor on our uh, on our grandparents side, uh, or on my my grandfather's side, um, and so he pulled out all the information that I needed to uh, trace back trace our roots back to to slavery. So let's see here we go. So that reunion that I went to um, back in two thousand and nine. It was the strong family reunion so um, it was honoring our ancestor Rebecca now Rebecca we don't know when she was born but um, she but she was uh, she came here from the West Indies we don't know exactly what island but she came over to South Carolina um, via the West Indies via the slave trade and Rebecca got married and she had one two three four five children so she had Eli in 1842 uh, Taylor in 1845 Susan 1855 Mary 1860 and her only child that was born free was Caledonia in 1866 now, out of all of those children, um, we trace our line directly to Taylor. He, and that's a, that's a man. So, um, my great, 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 super, super great ancestor, Taylor, born in 1845. Um, and then Taylor, well, I'm, I'm not going to go down the line because I'm, I'm going to butcher it. But uh, basically... We can, we can trace that thing back, you know what I mean? And so, we traced it back, and then he told me the story of my grandfather, you know, sharecropping in the fields in North Carolina. So, a specific story that he had, because I already knew that he did that, and I seen the field where he plowed, you know, that he plowed the, the tobacco in. Because um, it's still there to this day in Pitt County, uh, North Carolina, Greenville, North Carolina. So... um. My grandfather was born in 1917. Lived a full life, man. He, uh, he was he, he was 97 when he passed, man. But yeah, he. So he he was born in 1917. In 1930, by the time he was 13, you know, he always helped his father. Um, but he, he could at the age of 13, he could plow a whole field by himself. So he was doing grown man work at the age of 13. Now, at the at that time where they were sharecropping for those tobacco fields, each man only got 50 cents a day. So my great grandpa, Samuel Williams, was only getting 50 cents a day. And my my grandpa, Jesse Williams, was just helping out. So once, you know, great grandpa, Samuel realized that his son could plow a whole field. He went to the owner. And he negotiated to get 75 cents a day because he's like hey man my son he's not a you know he's not 18 but he's only 13 but he's doing just as much work as any other man and so so he was able to get a raise he negotiated a raise from 50 cents to 75 cents a day for the two of them so yeah how did slavery affect me you know what I mean like for one I can trace back you know my, my ancestry pre-1865 and and that's just on one side of the family and for two man we couldn't even get a dollar a day back in north carolina you know what i mean like that's how that's how heinous sharecropping was man. that's how predatory it was like they didn't care about your existence they was giving you a grown man with with four or five kids 50 cents a day man it's crazy so you know without being able to pass down you know wealth just because of that like that's that's how it affected me (laughs) you see what i'm saying so you know eventually they they stopped sharecropping and you know when the industrial revolution came around a lot of folks moved to town like northern towns that had big factories and so um eventually my my grandpa sam uh he uh, or my great grandpa sam he he ended up working did he work he worked like in a pickle factory down there in north carolina so he got a of sharecropping and working in a factory and then my grandpa jesse uh he moved to um he moved to ohio but he he was in the military a lot of folk a lot of brothers went to the military well for when they got drafted they a lot of them had to go but he went to the military you know that's a way of of course bringing in income uh and then you know moved to ohio had you know raised my dad and, and all my aunts and uncles there and worked at GM and, and retire from GM like a lot of folks did coming up from the south like I said moving to these northern cities um where the where big industry was at so yeah man like just not not having an inheritance to pass down to your children because you're making less than a dollar a day you know that's that's how wild it was for us you know we didn't we, we just don't have any type of generational wealth everything everybody was pretty much starting from scratch and even those that you know somewhat became wealthy uh or at least became somewhat rich you know like you you think about Tulsa and Black Wall Street but if the white supremacists got a little attitude and they got jealous about all the success they were seeing all these successful Negroes you know they'll they'll burn it down you know they'll terrorize the whole town kill people burn down all the businesses and churches and leave you with nothing and you won't get no reparations for that even Even when that happened in Tulsa, all the insurance companies denied all the claims and they found some type of loophole or just created a loophole in in language saying it was uh, i forgot the the language that they used. But basically everybody's insurance, like no one's insurance paid out any money. So that's that's how white supremacy works against you. And that's that's how slavery and Jim Crow and all that stuff affects me as a as a black American to this day so moving on to episode 105 now i think about i don't i don't really have anything to clear up or reference for episode 105 it was it was short and sweet it was to the point i believe we we really got off everything that we needed to say uh we said it very well we took our time and um i don't think anything was lost in translation so um that's it for this this recap episode if you have any questions any comments man feel free to hit me up on instagram the show page is spelled out socks and sandals podcast my personal instagram emmanuelsense 85 um on twitter you can search socks and sandals podcast uh, or at SXSNDLS. um yeah i will holla at y'all next week Y'all have a wonderful weekend. Grace and peace. I gave you the truest me, my truest speech, true and deep from the loosest leaves of my loose leaf, my flaws and all. See? I'm fragile, but by grace, I am choosing peace over losing sleep, and I must say these sandals fit quite nicely over these crillies. Nike sacks, Birkenstocks, oh, what a faux pas, unmasked, unabashed, unashamed, uh, hear the voice said of a unacclaimed, yeah, hear the voice said of the unacclaimed, maybe that's a taboo, maybe it's a fad, but maybe just in fact, I was used to ripping bad shoes, uh. Nike socks, stocks, Oh, what a faux pas, unmasked And a bash and a shame uh, Hear the voice of unclaimed yeah, Hear the voice of the unacclaimed Maybe that's a taboo Maybe it's a fad, but maybe just in fact I was used to wearing bad shows. Bad shows.